Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Hi, Tara. Hi, Vanessa. You're all dressed up today. I am all dressed up today because I interviewed Aliza Pressman out of school. And it was oh, so, so fun. fun. She's so much fun. I love her. She is fun. So you are fun too, Vanessa. I am fun. I give good interview. You know what else is fun? <laughs> talking, of, talking about ch- 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 changes. <laughs> ch- 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 changes. <laughs> One of the hallmarks of puberty is voice changes. And I would argue that as breast buds are to female bodies in puberty, voice changes are to males in puberty. Hear me out. Hear me out. You know I'm going to disagree, so go. I know. There's a lot of caveats. However, for many kids, those are the most evident, hallmark, least hideable changes and often quite embarrassing. Can I give you the reason why I think the comp might need some work, Vanessa? The comp needs a lot of work. It needs a lot, a lot of work. And I know in particular, there are gender reasons why, but you go, you go. One reason it needs some work is the timing. So breast buds tend to be among the first changes in genetically female bodies, but voice changes are not so early. Usually, I mean, they are actually 
um, somewhat unpredictable, but usually they come a bit later. But you're a hundred percent right in Thank that. You. <laughs> you don't even want to know. You just want me to say, <laughs> but you're a hundred percent right. You're a hundred percent right insofar as we talk a lot about the things that are not necessarily estrogen and testosterone driven that are called puberty and they're parts of sort of the general path towards becoming an adult, hair, body odor, acne, sweat, oil, all that stuff, right? Voice changes, just like breast buds, are very much directly related to the main starring hormone in puberty. So they are directly related to testosterone. And by the way, because all bodies have testosterone, all bodies experience voice changes. Can you walk us through, we hear, and different voices, what is happening to the body that causes us to hear that embarrassing sort of up and down voice crack xylophone-esque phenomenon? Yeah. And I'll do the science really quickly because I think the science is interesting, but what's even more interesting is the way you frame that question, which is how embarrassing it feels, how vulnerable it feels. So here's the science for what it's worth. Okay, go with me. I'm going to take you on a journey from your lips, through your mouth, past your tongue, okay, down what we call the airway. So at the back of your throat, there is a bifurcation. There are two paths that can be taken. Food goes down the esophagus. That's the food slide. Air goes through the larynx and the trachea and into the lungs. So sort of a a division there, a very significant division there. So if you go the air route, the trachea is the top two inches or so of your airway. And the trachea has at its top, the larynx, the voice box. So of those two inches in an adult body, not in a baby body, but in an adult body, two inches. So in a tween body, maybe a little bit less. At the top of the trachea sits the larynx. And the larynx has two vocal cords, only two. Didn't realize it was only two. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, They're muscles. They are muscles. And a lot of people will compare them either to rubber bands or guitar strings. Okay. And here's why. When you breathe in, those vocal cords relax. And they have to relax to let all the airflow past them and down through the trachea and into the lungs. But when you breathe out and you're trying to talk, those vocal cords sort of tighten. They're muscles. They tighten. And they then create vibrations that make sound. So that is sound. And you can play with how loose or tight your vocal cords are by making your voice go low or by making your voice go high. And when you do these two different things, you are tightening your vocal cords to different degrees. And it turns out the higher pitch is a tighter vocal cord. And you can feel it. Like practice for a second, Vanessa. Ah. Right? Do you feel how tight that is? Now mm-hmm. go low. Oh. Right? It feels different. If you, if you know, you probably haven't thought about it before, but it feels different. It reminds me of when I was in labor and they were like, don't go high, go low. And I'm like, F off. What <laughs> <laughs> noise to make. Do you see how I caught myself there and didn't actually use the F word? That was an excellent sidebar. 
Okay, so now we have some basic mechanics. So now I want you to use the guitar analogy. Do you play guitar, Vanessa? No, I don't. If you were to play guitar, I don't either, but let's have this really, really interesting someone who plays guitar. (laughs) Do you imagine that a thick guitar string when plucked sounds different than a thin one? Yes, I would imagine that to be the case. Good, good. Context clues. (laughs) If you pluck the thin one, do you think it's going to be higher or lower? Higher. It will be. So one of the things that happens during puberty is that testosterone actually causes the thickening of vocal cords. And so some of the drop in a voice has to do with physical thickening. It's literally like going from a thin guitar string to a thick guitar string, which is kind of cool. It's basic science. But that wouldn't explain why your voice goes up and down and up and down and up and down, right? So that explanation has to do with all of the other things that are changing at the same time. You're growing during puberty, which means your sinuses are changing shape. Your nose is changing shape. The back of your throat is actually changing shape. It gets bigger. There's more space. There might be swelling some days, less space, right? There might be just a little bit of intermittent change that no one sees or notices, but the airflow is totally, totally different as a result of this little microscopic change. And so you have these increasingly thick cords. And remember, because all bodies have testosterone, all vocal cords thicken a little bit during puberty, but they thicken more in bodies with more testosterone. So that's why female voices drop a little, but it's usually not noticeable. And male voices tend to drop noticeably. But then all these other factors change essentially the wind flow. I mean, I don't want to say it's like flying on a turbulent airplane because that's a terrible analogy and has nothing to do with any of this, but that's how it feels to me when I read the data a little bit. So is that what contributes to like voice cracks or is it possible that like one vocal cord is thicker than the other? Like do they thicken at the same rate and to the same extent? Right. The way that it's described in a lot of articles, which I find unsatisfying, is that the body is getting used to the changing size of what we call the oropharynx, so the whole inside of the mouth and throat, to the changing size of the larynx and to the thickening of the vocal cords. And usually this sort of adjustment period only lasts for a few months, but it can feel like a lifetime mm-hmm. to the kid who's got, I mean, Peter Brady, you know, God bless God bless. Him. I mean, how, we can't do this episode without a tribute to Peter Brady. But it's also just like everything else in puberty. Some have it more profoundly than others. Some kids might crack once or never noticeably, and others might crack significantly. And I think that's, you know, like everything else, it feels very big to the people who are living it. And that's probably where we should go in this conversation. If you listen to enough of our episodes, you'll hear us preach the importance of air, particularly down there. Airing out body parts reduces sweatiness, stinkiness, and skin irritation. And it feels amazing to air it all out after a long day in tight, sweaty clothes. Which is why we created the Oom Short. Super soft, lightweight, with wide legs and a low crotch. All help air flow. 
designed for all genders in all sizes, literally down to kids extra small and up to men's extra large. Everyone who wears them tells us they've never been so comfy. Get your shorts at myoomla.com. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors ready-to-eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our Factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never-frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. 
You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. So I think we should start with the headline, which is if you have a kid in your life whose voice is changing and cracking, please don't comment on it unless they do. Please don't make fun of them for it or shame them or embarrass them in front of other people. They cannot help it. That's right. So if you want to stop listening now, just remember the science and keep your mouth shut. Which is an ironic piece of advice for this it particular is. episode. It's, it's a very, <laughs> I was watching very, your face as you were off. Honey, it's a very punny, an inversion, a pun inversion. Why is it so embarrassing? Right? Like, why did I liken it to breast buds for girls? People may not appreciate it, but we've heard from many, many, many kids who've gone through voice changes and they talk about how embarrassing it is. Why is that? I think to state the obvious, it's that it's obvious. Yeah. Right. So these cracks don't tend to be subtle, although they certainly can be. But the kids who feel vulnerable, are the kids whose voices are really jumping up and down quite a bit. And as you can imagine, if you're already nervous or anxious about something, you're giving a report in class, you're telling someone you like them. I mean, you can come up with any scenario you want from the tween and teen years. And now you throw in this shift in pitch. It feels vulnerable. It also, I think it sort of, messages a lack of control. That's really when you boil down what the kids feel when they are having voice cracks, they feel out of control with their voice and they don't like how that feels. Right. And they never know when it's going to happen. I mean, you can imagine many of us, our voices shake a little bit when we're nervous anyways. So you can imagine if you have a kid whose voice is changing, that's even more likely, but also you don't know when it's going to rear its head. And that feels uncomfortable or embarrassing. It's also like blazing neon light saying, I am in puberty. Well, to that kid. But this is a perfect example of something that it may be noticed and registered by others, and it may not. And this is, I think, a very important piece of this conversation. When When adults talk to kids about how they feel about something that's happening to their body, generally, you know, our advice is always don't make it about yourself, make it about your kid, you know, honor your kid's feelings, listen to what they have to say. All of this is true, but in this instance, there may be a place, there may be a place in the conversation for the comment, have you considered that you notice it more than anyone else? And it's not to say don't feel strongly about it, but to just contextualize for them. I think about it in terms of acne, actually. And we had this conversation on our podcast about acne where we talked about how 
pimples sometimes feel bigger to the person who has them than to anyone else. And in this generation of tweens and teens, this sort of end of Gen X and rising Gen Alpha, what we're seeing is a little bit more acceptance of whatever, I've got pimples, everyone's got pimples. Not everyone feels that way, but a lot of people feel that way because there's sort of this ownership of what's happening to your body and it shouldn't feel vulnerable. There is a chance that over time, voice changes will fall squarely into that category as well. It's like a one can hope. It's a whatever. It's a rite of passage and we're all going to do it and then we're done. I think it's hard for the kids, like many other things in puberty, I think it's really hard for the kids who go first and for the kids who go last. Yes, because it calls attention. It calls attention. So if you have a kid who's the first one in their class to have their voice change, they may not even know what's going on. And so you want to explain to them if they haven't watched, you know, lots of other people in their class or their grade go through it and you haven't talked to them about it, they might need some explanation. And you can use Cara's description at the beginning of the episode to say, hey, this is really normal and you can't totally control it. And, you know, breathing relaxes your vocal cords. So maybe if you kind of try that in certain situations, but just like helping them understand the science, I think so often is really useful to kids. It's also important to realize that there are certain sort of traditions or features of tween and teen life that are particularly unjust when it comes to voice changes. So I would argue that middle school choir, when it's required for all students, can be really hellacious for kids who happen to be at prime voice change and feeling really vulnerable about it. Bar mitzvahs can be hellacious for kids who at 13, primo time for some of them to have voice changes, have to stand up in front of all of their family and friends and sing alone in a foreign language with no backup music. These types of circumstances can exacerbate some of the stress around voice changes. And if you have a kid who sings out of joy and is passionate about singing and performing... I do not have those children. Uh, Cara doesn't have those children. <laughs> I My kids make fun of me because I'm always like, you have such a nice voice. You should... And they just like immediately start mocking me. But... For people who do have those children, it can be very hard if their voices change and it means that for a period of time, they're no longer feeling successful as performers because they're in this limbo space with respect to their voices, right? They had higher voices, more melodic voices. Now their voices are changing, cracking, and may end up lower and they may not be happy with that. No, they will end up lower. They will end up lower, but they may not be happy with how their voices sound when they are lower. So there's that transition. So kids who are child actors, performers, um, struggle with that. And then there are kids whose voices haven't yet changed and everyone else's voices have changed and they are still kind of grouped with the female voices. And that can feel very vulnerable and exposing when you're the only one or the last one who still is in range with female voices. And, you know, I don't want to conflate things here because everything in puberty goes on its own timeline, as we've said a thousand times. However, voice changes do tend to happen when kids are further down the path of puberty, which means 
that for a boy who is a late bloomer already and is, you know, not showing any of the externalizing features of puberty, hasn't entered any sort of a growth spurt yet, right? Really seems, appears young. The likelihood is that because testosterone is not circulating at a particularly high level for a particularly significant period of time quite yet, he's also going to have a high voice. And that's going to be the kid who is grouped in chorus with the other kids who have constitutionally high voices, typically the girls. So let's talk for a minute about what caregivers and trusted adults can do, because none of us can control the testosterone in these kids' voices and when and how much, if at all, they're going to be, you know, these embarrassing voice cracks or whether there's a kind of seamless transition to a lower voice. One of my kids started using a lower voice before he naturally had a lower voice because he sort of caught on that that was like the thing to have. Another one of my kids, and he wouldn't mind my saying this, jokes that he hit puberty so hard in quarantine and he was so relieved because he didn't have to, like his voice cracks happened when it was Zoom school. And so like, and he didn't talk ever in Zoom school. So like no one could tell that his voice was changing. I think that there can be a role without sort of you know, what might be accused of as coddling or helicopter parenting. I think there can be a role for adults when kids are in a particularly sensitive moment around voice changes, like at a family gathering. That's where I was going to go with it. I was going to do the Vanessa, here's what not to do if you (laughs) haven't seen a kid in a while and he or she shows up with a much lower voice announcing it to everyone. My, your voice has gotten so deep. Oh, honey, you must be in puberty (laughs) because your voice is so much lower. It's not helpful, (laughs) but that's the obvious. Let's talk about what the adults in the room can do as an episode is unfolding, as a kid is actively in the middle of a voice crack situation. What do you do, Vanessa? So it depends on the kid, right? It depends on the temperament. Some kids will appreciate just like everyone laughing it off and being like, nice one, kiddo, and then just moving on. I have a kid in my house who likes to pause and sort of ironically acknowledge his voice crack and then keep talking. Other kids would rather stick, you know, a thumbtack in their finger then have you mention the voice crack. So for some kids, it's just like pretend it didn't happen, nothing to see here and move on. So everybody's going to handle it differently. But if you have a sense that you have a kid who really doesn't want people commenting and there are other children in your household who find it very funny to comment, I think it's appropriate to pull that other kid aside and say, I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is something that feels like a little self-conscious for your sibling. It's really best if you don't make fun of them about it. And they may say like, oh, I had no idea. Or they may say, yeah, but I find it funny. And you say, well, that's fine, but your sibling doesn't. So zip it. I think that, you know, you can't control what happens with friends. So friends are going to rib each other at school, in the lunchroom, in the classroom. And that's just part of adolescent behavior. I heard Rosalind Wiseman speak last night 
She wrote Queen Bees and Wannabes and Masterminds and Wingmen. She's really remarkable. She's written a number of books. And she's a teacher and she spends the vast majority of her time in classrooms teaching kids all over the world and collecting data about kids all over the world. And one of the things she said that really struck me was that if you look at teasing, ribbing, that it's an incredibly important feature in relationships, friendships, sibling dynamics, but it's also really important for kids to understand the different kinds of teasing. Mm. And there isn't a fixed way of defining it, but she recommended that the adults in the room go home and help the kids in their lives describe, quantify the different types of teasing, whatever words they want to put onto it, like good-natured, evil, you know, whatever, whatever they want to say. And some kids will divide different types of teasing into two or three buckets, and some kids might have eight or 10 buckets. When it comes to voice changes, I think it's a perfect example of a time where when you pull aside the kid who's doing the ribbing, you can lean into that conversation. Hey, joking around with your friend is totally fine, but joking around about something that might bother them, not okay, not cool. And helping them to gauge with their friend, how do you feel? Or their sibling, how do you feel about when I tease you? One of the other things she said, Rosalind said last night was, the measure of a healthy friend group is a democratic share of teasing or an equitable split of teasing. That there isn't one kid who's getting piled upon, but everyone kind of doles it out equally to everyone else. That is a sign of a healthy dynamic. And I would argue that that holds true at home as well. And that holds very true for voice changes. Because again, if everyone's dishing it out to everyone in your house and it's fun and it's clearly fun and everyone's enjoying it, that's one thing. But as soon as it shifts from anything equitable, it has to be shut down. And generally in my house, you don't ever tease people about their bodies. Yeah, about what their bodies look like, how their bodies perform or don't perform. Well, except farting. Farting is a whole different category. Cara, if we didn't talk about farting in my house, we would have nothing to talk about. (laughs) Sorry, farting and pooping, both of those things. But so generally our rule is, and that's partially because I was teased about my weight as a kid. So I'm particularly sensitive to it. But in general, it's not just about weight. It's about height and breast size and penis size and athletic capability. I mean, a million different things. So that's kind of our boundary and voice changes would fall into that. I would say some kids are willing to joke about themselves and that's okay. But you need to know that they're inviting you into that joke and that conversation. And so I think the place to land is also, you know, yes, you can have conversation with the person who is doing the the ribbing, but probably as important, if not more, is to have a conversation with the kid whose voice is changing and to acknowledge the elephant in the room and to explain a little bit of the basic science and to say, hey, just because you know how it works doesn't mean I know how you feel. So why don't you cue me in as to how you feel? If you don't want anyone talking about it or you want to go quiet when it's happening, cool, that's totally fine. But I just need to understand where you're coming from so I can support you. And make sure they know it won't last forever. Things will settle and it won't last forever. 
which is not at all to diminish how it feels in the moment, but this is not a forever change in their body. It is a now change in their body. And the last point, it won't happen to everyone. I mean, it will happen to everyone in the sense that their voice will change, but the cracking and sort of very visible, embarrassing piece of it, it's not something that you can say to a kid, I promise this is your turn. Someone else will have their turn. They may not. So it's not equitable in that way. And know that as you're advising the kid who's trying to deal with it. Puberty is not always fair. The grass is always greener on the other side of the puberty street. (laughs) (laughs) Should we just throw out a series of bizarre platitudes about puberty? Or should we let these people go? I think we should let them go. Thanks, Cara. Bye, Vanessa. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.